Dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may get your podcast from. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And also please consider uh, supporting the recently launched Patreon. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. There'll be a minimum of one bonus podcast per month, but probably more than that. Uh, it's pretty cheap. The first tier starts out at $2. The second tier is 5 and the third tier is 7 You can find all the details as to what they include over on the website. Uh, we'll have returning guests on to do album deep dives, review stoner or metal-tinged movies, and probably some other dumb shit I haven't thought up yet. Um, again, that's uh, patreon.com slash diary of doom. And also doing our first Patreon shout out to August West. He's a longtime listener and a frequent guest of the podcast. Uh, you are a stoner rock goober. I know I call him a goober. Or in French, it's goober. Or goober. Now that that's out of the way, um, our guest for this week is Altered States. They are a pretty goddamn new band uh but they are not a band made out of any new people uh all three of these dudes have been at the the music and touring game for a while now it seems uh we've got ryan lipinski uh he's on guitars and vocals and you probably know him otherwise from unearthly trance serpentine path and green dragon zach curlin who's on bass and vocals as well uh, he was also in Green Dragon and Sweet Diesel and Chris Daly on drums, uh, which I just found out was also in Just Brazil, in addition to High Disciple and Texas and the Reason and 108. So like, damn, just like <laughs> everybody's got quite a resume on here. So thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, Altered States is based out of my old stomping grounds of New Jersey. Awesome. Correct. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Where are you based out of? I forgot. <clears throat> um, I'm based out of Brooklyn now. Oh, cool. So well, I'm originally from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, originally from New Jersey, so kind of we sw we switched. <laughs> I cool. I, yeah, I left and you came back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Normally, I would uh, I would ask everybody's uh, what like what their background in music is, but like I said, all three of you are pretty seasoned musicians, from what I can tell. And I've seen two of you live before uh, Altered States uh, opened for Cave In back in December. So, like, you know, I guess if we can just kind of go around uh, the theoretical room here, um, what's everybody's earliest experiences with music before you talk about like your, the other bands that you've been in? I guess we can start. We can do Chris, Zach, and Brian. We'll go in the what appears cool. to be clock, clock, clockwise to me. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, I. Uh... I grew up not in a musical family, but I had older siblings and there was a lot of music in my family as far as <clears throat> what we're being listened to, you know, born in early in 72. So by late seventies, I was already being fed a, a lot of music from my older siblings. You know, my older brother, my oldest brother was like into like, you know, mainly the dead, but he's also into the Almond brothers, the band, you know, he definitely like got me into like, you know, <clears throat> that, element of 70s rock led zeppelin and stuff like that older my other older brother my, my oldest but he was more into like 
probably more mainstream, like 70s rock. And then I had a sister who was into like, you know, probably radio top 40. And then my parents were all over the map. You know, my mom was like Beatles and my dad was like, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. And through that, it was just like, <clears throat> I was fed a lot of music. I definitely like fell in line more with my older brother's tastes. You know, it was like that type of music was what grabbed me and was my like earliest thing until probably around, you know, 11 years old. I started going to concerts with my, my whole family started going to concerts together and started seeing bands. And I think probably, yeah, probably around like uh, when I was like 11, I discovered Van Halen and did you, was, did someone just go up the stairs? Yeah. I think your daughter just ran up. And was, she, was she clothed? I hope uh, she was. Right. Yeah. Don't worry. There will be, there will be no video out there. I promise it's audio only. She was trying, it's funny. She was kind of, she like, you know, she was trying to be all, Self, you know, yeah. obscure and I didn't realize I have to, but yeah, I mean, so the first like band that kind of, I think I really discovered on my own was like Van Halen. And then mm -hmm. from there, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it was Van Halen. It was quick. It was like Van Halen. And then um, probably like within a year or two, like Ozzy. And, and the funny thing for me is I discovered Ozzy before. I mean, I knew Black Sabbath, but like my friend, my friends, uh, Danny and Mike, who, you know, I got a lot of music from, they were like, oh, you got to hear this new Ozzy record. And you know, I was listening to that and then I, like putting two and two together, like, oh, this is the guy from Black Sabbath after like listening to Speak of the Devil. But like for me, it was like metal was like where it started for me. And I was playing drums. I started playing drums around eight. So it was like, uh, you know, probably by the time I was like four, uh, 15 or 16, it was like I had just started getting good enough at drums to like really start playing with other people or, you know, at the age where before then it was like I jammed with some friends and we did some covers, but it was like. 15 16 was when i actually started playing music but by then i had gotten into hardcore and so the first band i did it was just immediately like i never did a metal band i did a hardcore band mm -hmm. and from there it kind of just moved you know it was like it was a lot of kind of left turns but they were all connected and it all came from like every even jets to brazil there's like a hardcore connection there you know it's like and even this band you know it's like we can all talk about hardcore because that's like you know, when, you know, we pull a lot of references from that, but it was like, yeah, it's like I was thinking about it the other day, like with this band, it's like, oh, I never, I never got the chance to do a metal band because like hardcore came in the picture and that was just like, I don't know what it was. It was just like, that was where we were at. Like, oh, let's do a hardcore band. It wasn't like uh, we thought about doing anything different. And that's what I did for, for years. And so like going through all of that type of music and then playing with, playing heavy dub music for the last five years, you know, it kind of like got me into like this um, kind of back into listening to like heavy, groovy music um, and, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like listening to a lot of Sabbath, obviously. And uh, but even like, you know, Seattle stuff and Goat Snake and stuff like that. Like I just found myself like thinking that it would be cool to do something along that line of music of playing. You know, it's just one of those things I think of. And then it was probably within a few months of like just literally thinking that Zach reached out to me last spring, early last spring and said that, you know, him and Ryan were thinking of starting something new. They had some material they, they wanted to work out and, you know, and it was like, perfect. It was just like, I was like, yes. Cause I was already like thinking like, I want to do something like in this, you know, vein. So it was cool. And I, you know, we had played together and uh, over the years and high disciple and green dragon so i was like i knew it would be an easy fit to play with these dudes you know but i didn't know what would come of it but i was just excited 
obviously being stuck at home for you know a year and a half right i was excited to play music in general but i was really it was everything just kind of was it was like petting the cat the right way it was like everything we did it was just nothing was getting in our way like there were no obstacles even when we mm-hmm. played music it was like the songs you know they kind of present themselves but that's kind of like you know long story but that's like kind of where i came from and it's like it's kind of cool now like at this point in my life where i could really you know play any type of music i wanted to really to be doing this uh you know is is perfect because it's like i really wanted to and i realized i'm like man i never i never got the chance to like do a band like this when i was younger but i also think the way i play now also is you know a big part of like playing these songs with these guys too you know like i don't know if i would have had the you know the experience you know 10 years ago i'm you know it might have been a little different but i like i like how it's all happening now and how you know it it comes together pretty pretty Mm -hmm. cool so you know yeah i kind of had like two points on that like number one like i definitely knew who ozzy was before black sabbath and like my mom was because yeah, it's just it's more accessible it's more radio friendly like i i don't know i probably knew more about ozzy from fucking seeing him pop up in little nicky than i did anything about black sabbath before my mom was like oh well ozzy osbourne was the singer of black sabbath and i was like what and also like you know a lot of their material is not super radio friendly just because everyone was like well, it's the devil's music and bullshit like that. And then, you know, obviously like I'm, I got into it like way later, but, um, and then of course, to your point about hardcore, like besides, you know, bringing up fucking Metallica, like the hardcore is the, the DNA that runs through, uh, all of this, uh, metal music. There's, there's such an appreciation, uh, for hardcore and, you know, old, friend of the podcast john hopkins uh rest his soul once put it like as uh you know stoner metal is where old punk rockers go to die you know and i think that's true <laughs> and I, tired, I think yeah. tired aging hardcore like hard, yeah because we can play slow finally yeah <laughs> totally elder care for hardcore kids. <laughs> um and I, I and I definitely like you know I I won't won't go as far to say that like it's a bunch of like washed up people because I you know there's bands where it's you know legacy dudes do a new project and then there's like a whole there's like a new band there, there's a, a new band there's ten new bands every goddamn week that pop up but yeah it, it runs it runs through everything I, I the genre probably owes more to hardcore and other kinds of weird heavy music than it does to like actual heavy metal in itself I'm. Sure, you could make a capable argument. I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> it's the spectrum. It's the spectrum of it. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, land, like the Sabbath thing runs through all of it, but, you know, it's sort of like we're more connected to, like, you know, the black flag aspects of it than, say, mm-hmm. you know, Candle Mass's operatic vocals. Right, exactly. I mean, you kind of have to geeky. be a certain. Yeah, point. it's like, you know, <laughs> Candlemas um, riffs. Candlemas riff. There you go. That's a different thing. Like you know, not to denigrate candlemas riffs, and even yeah, the vocals. I dig it. I dig it. Like I love I all of it. And, then, it's just and like, on the same token, there's some black flag stuff that's got nothing to do with what we do either. So it's like we take from different bands, like different kind of approaches, and meld it into one new mm-hmm. idea. Us old guys, we get all these experiences. <laughs> right. It's like kind of 
strap on and play what's kind of natural. You know? Yeah. Just don't even think, oh, this is what comes out. Yeah. So I, it's, I uh, we figure out what it sounds like afterwards. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. that sounds like Celtic Frost. Cool. Or that sounds yeah. like a little bit like Black Flag. But, you know, we have a kind of a doom theme that runs through stuff and then we kind of veer off different paths. So I think we yeah. have a, a template set up to kind of draw off a lot of our influences, especially the early influences that we grew up with, like early 80s stuff. That's a big, big influence in what we what we do in this band, I think. Yeah. Kiss, too. I was going to say, if you wanted to ask me what was my biggest influence early on in mm -hmm. music, it would be Kiss. Because one of my good friends had an older brother that had like every Kiss record and when I first discovered them. And this is when, you know, Kiss took their makeup off already, you know, like mid-80s. So I wasn't, I was into that. But then when I discovered older Kiss, then I got really into Kiss. So I was like, I, I was born into 80s rock and metal. Mm -hmm. And that's my earliest memories of music. And then I kind of got into like thrash for a while. And then it was, as soon as I got to hardcore, then that kind of took over. And then like, I'd say early, early 2000s, that's when Unearthly Trance started. And then I was doing doom back then which is was not common and then for a long time i did that band and kind of got burnt out on it and it was more of like the extreme doom thing so when we we when we linked up it wasn't even like a doom idea it was more of like let's just do something new and see what happens and so as you can you definitely hear the doom influence you definitely hear the you know the hardcore influence and the sabbath is always up front mm -hmm. but you know, yeah, but you cross. like to shred. It's like obvious, yeah, you know, like you're not just going to be up there being like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I, yeah, yeah. so I, I can totally tell that you're pulling from those like shredders from the 80s. That's what I grew up with. Dudes, yeah, you know, that that's how just, I learned guitar. It was just, as I call it, note salad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've gone the gamut in my life. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. now I'm back to playing a little crazy. Where I, for a while, I was a bit reserved, <laughs> slower. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to play pretty damn slow and now i got i got sick of that but i think I, zach and i too we also encourage it you know we like to uh <laughs> you know we like to as the, you know one of the things the cool things about being a three-piece is that you know like early on we decided you know recording wise like we're gonna do we're not gonna do that trick where you overdub another guitar track like mm -hmm. so it was like there were these spaces that are cool where zach yeah. and i could kind of open up and just kind of like lay into this kind of groove yeah. and it gives gives this space for ryan's and it's just such a cool, you know, to do a solo over. And it's just, it's such a cool sound when, when that happens. I mean, like Bad Brains do it, you know, Van like Halen. Van Halen, Pantera, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a sound. It's a thing. And it's yeah, like sure. early on, like, I think from like one of our, like one of Ryan's like digital recordings of one of our early rehearsals, I heard it in like the Thunderer, the first song on the demo, <clears throat> which was the first song we put together at the first rehearsal. But I remember listening back, I'm like, oh. When we record this, we I hope we, you know, we just leave it like the solo and yeah. drum and bass going. But that's a cool thing too. So we're always like, play solo, you know, do a solo, you know. One of, the early in, one of the early influences I just want to definitely emphasize is Metallica. That was like the band that really did it for me because I was like in fifth grade when Master of Puppets came out, and that was like my the first introduction to heavy stuff. And to this day, I still feel fine that those early Metallica records are just as, yeah. as any other metal band that's ever came after them absolutely can't say much about them recently but you know the old stuff <laughs> just, yeah that's, that's something we me. always go back to uh, yeah. referencing in this band is like early metallica you know 
That's another. Yeah, it's a big deal for this band. I feel like, without being like, oh, we let's sound like metal. Let's sound like yeah. early Metallica. It's just the choices made tend to move in that kind of direction in terms of like you know, dimension, depths, epicness. Like, oh, let's, the, let's add another part. And then like the hardcore aggression too, like a little bit of that aggression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I, I mean, we're like you know, we I, I think. Green Dragon was definitely like we were not gonna let overt hardcore bleed in. Um, we were. I think I tried a few it. times. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Really and it was like no, nah, like yeah. you know, they're like no, it it needs too you know, fast. it was it's gonna sound like it could have happened you know yeah. between seventy two and seventy six, and that's it. There's no like free. There's no like you know, punk rock in that really although there kind of was but it was there was an effort to not let it get in there well that was a bunch of ex you know hardcore people doing a band that they didn't want any hardcore influence and in, you know and this oh, band is still, my I, I mean from, from an outsider <laughs> perspective it did have it did have you know it had some something punk about yeah. it, you know i mean maybe just because i knew right it's like inevitable from, but... It's like you can take uh, you can take the player out of hardcore, but you can't take the hardcore out of the player. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. true. I mean you see metal dudes that have never played in like any of those kind of bands, and like you said, they'll be very like pro proper posture and everything, but barely move a foot. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think people that have played in a hardcore band and stuff like put a lot more energy into their like the actual playing itself. Your whole body goes into it or something like it's more of a feel that you learn when you're playing more aggressive music in a like primal way which is like always makes me laugh when i see uh old punk guys or old hardcore guys creating fucking prog rock bands like i, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I saw like the aesthetics uh which is the couple of dudes from minor threat open up for clutch and i'm like uh -huh. i mean i'm like i'm digging this but it's just it's so noodly like it's it's yeah. noodlier than clutch even gets yeah at, dude most noodly that guy's like ingve <laughs> uh malmstein yeah, <laughs> he's totally. It's like it's like reaching out, totally like or marching out. That's like not reaching out, marching out, like like just crazy. Like and yeah, it's really? a cool thing. But it's thirty-five minutes of it. You're just like, wow, yeah, wow, wow. And it's I mean, not minor threat. The rhythm. It's like <laughs> it's the rhythm section of Fugazi. What is that? Lyle Pressler's band? Is that no? It's it's uh oh man or Jeff Jeff the drummer no, Fug Fugazi rhythm section uh oh okay the jet oh yeah 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 Fugazi. Uh, why can't i think uh I can joe think lally and, and and right joe lally and and brandon canty are together thank you right? so much yes yeah. and and this guy uh what's the guitarist name? i can't believe i know that like oh my god uh oh my pirog god. anthony pirog is the he's like this i mean i i never knew him before that band but he's a virtuosic those two dudes just did like an MC five fifty thing with Kim Thale too, and then like Wayne Kramer, right. which is like yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have gone to that. It was stupid. Uh, it was probably awesome. They toured for like three years too. I know it's like pre-pandemic yeah. shit. You're like, hey, it was like one of those things. Like I was like, oh, they're coming around again. Like, geez, it's like the third time. And then I'm like, they came, they came around like three times, and I didn't go see them. Great. Yeah, like, you know, I know. You have no excuse at that point. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, I, I, gee, would you want to see, you, you want to go see Wayne Kramer play on stage with Kim Thale in the rhythm section of Fugazi? Yeah. What the hell's Brandon wrong with you? Like, what like, we, yeah, what was wrong? Yeah. What was, so that, I think that's like some pre pandemic shit where you just like took a lot of stuff for granted. And, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And frankly, the the landscape was kind of littered with like, you know, reunion tours or like, you know, like you said, a million bands and like, try not to litter, you know, don't do reunion tours or reunion shows just to like, you know, grasp at some ex glory. And then like, in terms of new music, like don't litter. So I think you're <laughs> sort of choiceful, you know. Hey, Zach, <laughs> yeah. we need to hear Zach's musical oh, journey. Which are the earliest... Uh... Um, you know, it's funny because the, the Kiss thing is funny, right? Because like, I grew up, I grew up in in and around New York City, but my grandparents were New Yorkers. Like, they lived in the city, so like, my my life was grounded around New York. My dad worked in New York City, or sort of my mom. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. And my Gene Simmons, anyway, lived in my grandparents' building, in the penthouse. They lived in a nice like, where you'd imagine like your nice grandparents like who you know loved the city lived in like you know the late 70s whatever they lived in this mm-hmm. high rise mm-hmm. in in the in the fi- yeah, 52nd they were like and in, uh, rosemary's baby <laughs> rosemary's baby not that right. nice you know they, they <laughs> like the new nice. money they lived in like a new money building not like they call it old money you know like it's like you know other side of town. <laughs> they, anyway, didn't, they didn't have satan's money <laughs> gene had more new money than them so he lived in the penthouse and like okay I just, th- my grandfather lived in this building with Gene Simmons was in the pen. He's like, nice Jewish boy. I don't know. They tell me he's a big deal. <laughs> I remember my dad telling me that story. But I wasn't allowed to listen to Kiss from, my dad had this thing in his head where he was like, no, Kiss are no good musically. You must listen to Cream, to Cream <laughs> or the Stones. So like, like I, and I wanted to listen to Kiss because they had fucking dolls and they like, you know, they looked cool and there was fire, like Cream you know <laughs> what is cream like the stones i was i like stones were like made sense to me because like i mean the first album i bought was tattoo you with my own money i remember like buying tattoo you with tattoo you with my own money and be like this real and i think around the same time my parents actually took us to jamaica it had to be nine in 1979 yeah, 1980 wow. 81 i'm like nine years old in jamaica and like you know bob ma is alive like reggae's like it's it's like not like you know it's it's happening like rastafarians are like for real and like you know crazy knit hats and shark skin suits like you know there's like hippies who like went down there five years before and like never left like and that made a big impression i remember coming back and me like i'm really into bob marley and like being in like seventh grade right pretty early <laughs> um and then like a friend of mine had a, a nintendo and um a black two black sabbath albums paranoid and he had live evil and i just remember like paranoid not even knowing what it was really and of course like yeah ozzy like crazy train he was like you know it was a big hit like when you were in like fourth grade fifth grade it's like out there so mm-hmm. ozzy's like a thing but like i never connected the dots like to this record that like paranoid we put on we play nintendo probably you know smoke some weed out of a banana or whatever piece of fruit you could carve out you know, we're still stealing weed from my own parents. One album kicked ass. We're like, we love, like, we love Paranoid. But then, like, Live Evil, we're just like, this is terrible. Like, what is wrong? What what happened? And, like, you know, at first glance, you're like, none of this makes any sense. You're like, there's this band playing War Pigs. And actually, you know, like, it's fronted by this completely other dude, like, doing versions of, like, the same song that, like, don't sound. You know, I, we, I wasn't, like, ready to like Dio. Mm-hmm. you know like that came way later so like yeah sabbath was a big deal and then like someone played a sex pistols record at like an eighth grade party and like time stopped it was like what the fuck is that and like then someone had 
drinking and drive like skating skateboarding came into the picture and like you know someone had like drinking and driving on like a cassette tape it was like oh like that's it you know black black i remember hearing black flag like that's it and then like um hard like we had just moved to connecticut and i got like stupid lucky because this crazy club the anthrax was like literally like 10 minutes from my house somebody and, else um, mentioned that place I'm trying to remember hmm. who it was but that place was mentioned on a I don't know, within the last like four months or so. Really? It's, I mean, it was heaven. Chris went yeah. there too. Like, I mean, it's crazy. I, I, and then I started playing in a band. Like I, so I started seeing like, you know, sort of caught the very tail end of like the first wave of hardcore, like, and not at their peak either, you know, like seeing like the circle jerks at that point was not like, it was like a big deal, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like they weren't, they hadn't just made group sex. It's like, you know, sort of like, mm -hmm at the end of their, they were like, like, four. like dead Kennedys were all, they were all together, but like running out of steam. And then like all this, like New York hardcore shit started. And it was like, you know, a lot of it really just was happened at the anthrax. Cause it was like, we were, everyone was really young and like, there was no booze and like bands, you know, any, any group of people could get together and strap on some guitars and play and like to like 400 people and it would be crazy. And then, I started playing in a, a band Power Surge, you know, like a Connecticut hardcore band Power Surge. Actually, Chris sent me some flyers today that were like some, we played a Roger Murray like benefit. We played a show with Agnostic Front and then a, a benefit for Roger because he was going to prison at the time. It's crazy because I saw Power Surge and knew who they were because I also had some friends from Boston who like, you know, kept me up to date with like, New England bands. And I only connected the circle that Zach was in that band when we started playing together, like, you know, back in June, I was like, dude, you were in power search. Like, I don't know how I just never, that never came, but yeah. I was a baby. Like I was so like, yeah. I was 15. I think I was done with so power search before I was even six. Maybe I just turned 16. Cause I think I just got my driver's license and like, you know, once, once it was like, I, once the weed kicked in, it was like, I want to sound more like the bad brains and like, and I love them all dearly as friends still. Like we're all pretty tight, um, mm -hmm. which is nice. Like every, whatever sort of disparate directions people went in, they kind of came around. They're like, I love you, man. I love what we did together. And like, don't be like 15 years old and play in front of like crazy packed people at hardcore shows was just nuts. Like I've never played shows to as many people as I did when I was in Power Surge. And then- That was uh, amazing. It was like, nuts. Yeah, when you started out playing hardcore, same resurrection, it's like resurrection another band I was in, like, we'd play uh, Middlesex College, and there'd be, like, a thousand people there, and, like, right. we all going crazy. And, that like, place I, was crazy. I took that for granted, because it was just, like, oh, yeah. it, like, for me, it was, like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, that's just, it was a hardcore show, so everyone was there, but it's, like, no, when we played, like, everyone was singing along, and, like, I mean, yeah. I, obviously not all, but, I mean, still, like, to have a thousand people packed in that gym, and most of them singing along still, at that young, like at you know, you're like 19, like you know, 18, like it's crazy because it's like you didn't do anything, you just kind of like had were at the right place at the right time, you know. It was like the scene was just packed and there were shows no. all, the, all the time, and you could play with whoever and it didn't matter. And it was just like, you know, like all the things like trying to, you know, when you try to get shows later in life, you know, and try to make things happen with your band. It's so crazy to think back in times where it's just like, oh, it's like a bounty of of riches, you know, like shows all the time. And it was like, 
you just have to choose which ones you were you could actually do you know yeah i mean it's a, it's a shame that like the sort of like that network didn't like i never feel like in the 90s when i joined when i we, we started sweet diesel after moving in new york a few years later you know trying to step outside of that you know like not overtly be like i don't we don't want to be there like right we don't want to be there we want to be a little left of there and you're like okay but you got to be okay with playing to like fucking nobody like really here's three people you cool with that <laughs> like <laughs> like you know wind blowing it's cold and lonely and they you know but in indie rock just curious did you ever play uh mile square city in hoboken did anybody ever play there no. I, used to, I always played Maxwell's, so yeah, that was kind of yeah. Like yeah. My my mom co-managed that place for a little while. She was uh, she grew up in the punk scene in New York and New Jersey, and oh uh, nice, cool. She used to go to Maxwell's all the time. Saw a bunch of fucking bunch of fucking bands back in the days, back in the day. Excuse me. So I was just curious, but yeah, she, I mean, she was no stranger to Maxwell's and whatnot. I I, th- I went there. No, nah, I, I think I went there after they reopened it. Because what happened? It like closed. Yeah. It was closing and then they, they reopened it. it. Yeah, they sold. Uh, the original owner sold it and uh, it became like a brew pub, like a, you know, cheesy place for a while. But they still oh. were able to do shows there. Yeah, it was still and then, in the back. For and sure. then like the original owners, I think, bought it back. And then I don't know why they sold it, but... Or maybe they, I don't know what why it closed, but yeah, it did there was a little blip in the middle there where they it wasn't like a, even a or maybe at the very end where it wasn't even a venue anymore. No, it wasn't because we played there at the end. So they tried to make it like a very Hoboken kind of yeah, like I, yeah, trendy place and not paying any attention to the history that you no. know made it what it was. They literally tried to change it and it wasn't successful, and so. It came back as a music venue for a while, and I, you know, but I guess just couldn't make it in that neighborhood. No, that's okay. Hoboken is, eh, not. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I want to live there when I moved out. <laughs> kind of on that with the whole, you know, punk thing. I was uh, when I was exchanging emails with Zach. You know, he said that he felt like Saint Vitus was like a place that kind of emulated that that spirit. That, you know, that very like because, and I, I would imagine you're, you know, you're saying that because. Well, I think the people that run St. Vitus are probably a little bit better than the dude who ran CBGB's. Uh, I, I oh, there was no one better than Hilly. Hilly? Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I, I lived on 3rd Street. And I'll circle back to your comment, but I lived on 3rd Street and 2nd Avenue for like 11 years when I was from, when I was like 19 to 29. Like, I moved out of there when I was 29. Mm-hmm. And like, one, like Hilly would walk his dogs to and from and see him every day. Like one of the, literally, like honestly, one of the great pleasures of my life was like living around the block from that place and seeing that guy and like having him say hi to me. And like he was good to my bands. Like Louise, who worked for him, he she was great. Like ah, oh, that place was heaven, and he was great. I mean, yeah, I, I'm pissed that like someone didn't step in and make sure it wasn't bigger than him. Because it was bigger than him, it should have. It should still be there. Like it should. It yeah. should have been landmarked. If there were some business dealings that were like had gone sour because of like some shenanigans he was up to, and I'm sure there were plenty. Right. Like, let, you know, years and mountains of dysfunction, man. But I just wish like 
it wasn't sitting in the Newark airport, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I remember going to the uh Rock and Roll Hall of Fame annex in New York when it was around and they had they had one of the urinals there and I was like, Oh, that's cool, you know. And then I'm at the airport and I'm walking in and I'm like wait a minute. Like this yeah. isn't right. It's isn't that right. Yeah, it's and not right. You're just like this shouldn't be in a fucking airport. It's fucking CBGB's. It's just it's, a yeah, it's terrible. It's just a t shirt. It's just a t-shirt, but like there was the t-shirt sales were huge, and like you know that there was more than enough money there. The thing is, the shirt only became a thing like after they right. closed. You know, People it's like it's we all went, we all went to CBs, but I, I never bought. I mean, at least I I no. never bought a CB shirt. Always going into the canteen and stuff. Like I would see them and stuff, and I like you know even when just I was like, like tourists, sixteen, right? yeah. It was just like, I don't know. It was like, you know, you'd see like, you know, maybe Blondie wearing one or something. It wasn't like you'd see Roger from AF wearing a CBGB shirt, even on, you know, like no one did that. That That only became, I don't even know when when that became, like MTV probably made that cool. When it became a fashion thing. And then it's just Duff Duff, Duff did it. When Duff and Guns N' Roses wore it. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Him Mm. and like. Basically, it's a cool yeah. design, you know? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a great design. Obviously. But, like, even that, yeah, but that, like, you know, when they opened up that, like, CBGB, like, merch store on yeah. St. Mark's, yeah. like, was after CB's was gone, you know? Well, it's like the place was just, like, you know, it had been sold in bits and pieces and, like, you know, to the wrong people and not handled well. What a mess. But, yeah. like, you know, fuck Bloomberg and what he did to the city and all that shit. Like, you know, that was like, you know, just all of it. And I'd be like, you know, if it was every other city, like, you know, would go out of the way to preserve those kinds of places. And I understand like, you know, there's been a million of those places over the years in New York that have fallen into the earth, but like, I don't know, that one should have, that one should have been preserved. But, you know, I do feel like a lot of the DNA and, and some of the people, you know, that spent a lot of time there. Um, you know, a lot of that sort of transitioned into what I think is at, a, at the heart of uh, St. Vitus. Like it's got like, you know, it, it carries a torch in that way. Like, I mean, the way I see St. Vitus, I hope it can, can become like CB's. I hope it can be this place that like sticks around for a long time. And yeah. it has the makings to be that. And it reminds me of the feel a little bit. And it's kind of like, if you know about it, you know about it kind of place. And it's like run by people that grew up in the hardcore scene, just like us and people we, I've people I've known since the Long Island hardcore days and they do it for the music. And when places run with an actual passion behind it, I think it makes it a whole different experience than some like new cool hip place opening up where shows happen as opposed to people who are really into the like underground scene of metal which up until St. Vitus came out, venues would close all the time. The Brooklyn scene from 2000 to 2010, like we played different venues all the time. And then until Vitus came along, then there was actually a spot where shows could happen and it was consistent and it built up. It built that, you know, pure, true grassroots kind of place. And I think that's why it's stood the test of time where so many of the places have shut down. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to take anything away from it. Like it's its own thing too. It's not just like you know. It's not just a shadow. Of, I mean, I'm sure they'd be genies. honored if we said that. You know? <laughs> yeah, 
I also, because I know some of those guys, like you said, and some of those guys come from that period of time where, like, you know, a lot of those times were shared, you know, at shows, at CBs, like exactly. those nights, like, mm -hmm. you know, at CBs. Like, you, you know, like what it, how good it could be if, you know. Yeah. The way it felt like bopping, you know, in and out right. of CBs. Yeah. Like, have good sound, have, like, a cool place, but not too much bullshit, and yeah. get really good bands to play. Like, that's they the thing. Buy this yeah, gets all the good bands. Totally. And it's like, you know, and the, they put they put the effort into making it like a place that's like enjoyable to be a band. You know, since they all play in bands, it's also they know, you know, the things that make like, you know, the little things that make playing a show like that much, you know, more worth it. You know, like having a cool place to hang out, you yeah. know, they make like, you know, and but not only that, it's like the sound there. It's like I've never yeah. not played there where it doesn't sound. It sounds killer. Great. Yeah, that's stage. part you know, of it I, too. I don't know everyone. You know, whenever I hear videos back and stuff, it sounds amazing. Obviously, and seeing shows there, it always sounds amazing. But one thing is like I know that it sounds great on that stage, and it always has, and that's like something they made sure to put you know an effort into. And it's like, but that's like so much. You know, it's like that's also with CBs. Is like that's so I, part I, of I it too. I only played CBs a handful of times, but it's like I used to be like, oh man, I know how good it's gonna sound. Yeah, on that, on that that's, CB that's, stage, that's like you're just like sure. you get on that stage and yeah, it sounds and like, like the drums are crushing and you like yeah. feel it. You know, yeah. yeah, that didn't even occur to me until now. But yeah, literally, like probably the sort of like the investment in like just a killer sound system and like a, a cool person that you can work with running board, it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. sound guys, yep. yeah, cool sound got guys. The, got the got the ears. Yeah. And yeah. Before, oh was, yeah. Like strapping right. into the CB sound system, man. The other cool thing about um vitus and you know and I, i'll say it again i always do like i'm i'm lucky that i live cl so close to uh a place that caters exactly to my music tastes but yeah. what's also cool is that they it's not just that oh the you know vitus is just the the metal bar it's it's not just the metal bar you've got like dark wave and synth wave you know late party shows lots of hardcore shows lots of punk rock shows Grindcore, um, everything just grindcore fucking anything as long as it's kind of heavy and fits the vibe nice. like it'll fit yeah. there i mean fucking cursive played at saint vitus and they're like none of those things well maybe they are i just don't know yeah them that well, they've done but... some cool things like like tony iomi had his book signing there like just cool, yeah random yeah things. i mean texas has played saint vitus and like eat you know no brainer every time we play there you know it's a I know we're on the heavier side of things, but still, it's like I think it gave a like a place like to have consistent like cool underground shows, like a yeah. spot where you knew if like something was you know it's the kind of place where you could just you know, drop by, see what's going on, check out yeah. a band. Like yeah, you're gonna, they're gonna well give, grounded and supportive. They're gonna give yeah. the same kind of support to an established act as they are gonna to like uh you know some any yeah. fucking band that may have just started up a couple months yeah. ago or whatever. Right, so. Right. I'll kind of dove into your backgrounds and, and hardcore and whatnot. I mean, like, you think you give like sort of a spark notes version of like your band histories. Cause they're just like, they're all pretty deep now, you know? I mean, I know Ryan and Zach have some overlap between the two of them, but you know, Chris, mm. like I'm not very familiar with Texas or uh, jets to Brazil, but I, I know them. They're like, those are like, to me, those are like some pretty big names out there. Maybe I think Jets Brazil, I knew about before, Texas is the reason I think I've only found out about them recently, but I'm like, that's a, that's like a fucking, that's a name. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was kind of like everything was, uh, just everything, uh, naturally progressed from one thing to the other. Like the, you know, I can tell you the first band, hardcore band I did when I was 16 was called out of hand and the guitar player, Scott and, uh, uh, 
and I, we did the band for a year, did a demo, broke up the band. We're both senior, you know, we're both even out of high school yet. And then like right after we both graduated high school, he called me and was like, hey, I'm starting this band with these guys. Would you want to play drums? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I started playing with them and that band became what would become Lifetime. And so Scott and I started Lifetime together, played in Lifetime for a year. And then I left Lifetime, joined Resurrection, which was like a heavy noise band. We were straight edge, but we were like pulling more from like Black Flag and uh, Half Off and, you know, just heavy kind of noisy bands. Um, and Rob from Resurrection and I, you know, joined 108 after Resurrection broke up. And then we did 108 for a while. Um, we made the Songs of Separation album. I toured for that for a couple of years. And from doing that, 108 and Shelter played together. <clears throat> Norm and I, Norm was in Shelter, Norm Moranis, who's uh, Norm Brannon. Um, he and I, you know, had talked about doing something a little more, you know, kind of melodic like emo wasn't a term so it wasn't even something like we were talking about even but just you know it was like so we did texas and then texas broke up and from that i had met jeremy from uh Han who was in handsome and iceburn and he had started playing uh music with blake from jawbreaker in brooklyn and i you know but that was through like hardcore too i mean that was kind of but everything else was kind of like just one after the other it was but it was there was some connection there wasn't really anything too far out where I went and like joined some band, mm -hmm. you know, that didn't know who agnostic front were or something like that. You know, it was like always like a thing like that, but like with Jets of Brazil, we did that for like six years. And that was definitely the most like success, I guess you could say that I had with a band. We, we toured not a lot, but fairly regularly. Uh, you know, we did, we did the normal cycle. We put out an album and tour for like two years and, till the next one came out, you know, write and record in the time there. And then after Jets to Brazil was over, I kind of, uh, I was burnt out. Like by that point I had been playing in bands from 16 to like, I was 30 in my early thirties when Jets broke up. And I was pretty sure, like, I didn't want to play music anymore. And I was like, I knew I, I could, I knew I couldn't be in Jets anymore. And I was mm -hmm. ready to walk away. You know, even, even though I was making a living off it, I was like, I need to do something different totally different. I don't want to play drums and be on tour anymore. So I, I left that and I, uh, it took me a little while, but I, I became, I ended up going to school to learn how to cut hair. I was like, I, I can cut hair for the rest of my life. Like that's a stable career, make good money. You know, it's a trade. I thought of all these things, but I'm like, that one just seemed like, yeah, be a hair, hair cutter, you know, that's, that'll be cool. And it really, it did take my mind off playing music for like a little while, you know, it was like a good distraction for like a year. Yeah. But then I, I got my cosmetology license. I started working in a salon and Texas reunited. At that point, we had been broken up for like 10 years and we got to play like a couple big shows in the city at Irving Plaza. And it kind of, you know, that was definitely got me on my, oh, like I, I love playing music, obviously. Um, so we kind of like got some things, some projects started you know, a few of them over the years that didn't really go anywhere, but uh, like a couple of cool bands I did. It was fun. And then uh, I moved out of New York City um, about eight years ago out of Brooklyn out to North Jersey, where I am now. I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing with anyone anymore. I was just kind of like, all right, well, my idea was that I would start something out here and I 
you know, I didn't really have any connections. And uh, I ended up meeting this uh, Larry, uh, this guy, Larry D. D Giovanni, who was like doing this solo dub project. And I was like, I'd always wanted to kind of, I thought it'd be cool to play like that type of music or at least jam, you know, drum and bass, like just for fun, just to see what it's like. So him and I like met up and started playing together and that started High Disciple. And it was just like a duo, it was a recording project. And it eventually led to like circle back where the story kind of comes back together with Scott who, and I, Scott and I who played out of hand together, our first band and then did Lifetime together. He was in the area and was into the music and we were, like we were thought of adding a, a third player and he came into that. And it was cool. Cause it was like, I've known him my whole, you know, since I started playing music, like, cool, I'm doing this in my, you know, in my forties now I'm out in the suburbs. I have kids still cutting hair in the city, but I'm like, Oh, this is kind of, cool you know like it filled a thing you know filled a, a void you know it was like something totally different and unique and it got me into like playing you know heavy music but in a different type of way like dub is it's you know i you get to yeah. play it's cool you know, it's really, yeah and it was like concentrate on that low end it just got me back into like heavy music and then you know we played shows with green dragon and i was always like oh this band is awesome like this is just a cool you know and we were oh like, God, this drummer is awesome. Yeah, we love playing. We love we love you. We love playing with 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 High Disciple because it was like this deep groove that like you know took up this other dimension. If we were playing a show together, it was like you know, I, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna check them out. I'm gonna get yeah. into it. Like, yeah, I think uh, we it was a good dynamic that worked well together. You know, like even uh, you know, it's it is it's heavy music, so. But yeah, it was cool. And, you know, it was like that kind of like led me to, to meet these dudes. And, you know, here we are, you know, starting something new that's kind of come together pretty fast. I mean, like we we just kind of like, like really it was a loose, you know, game plan. It was just like even the references that Zach originally, like Zach brought up to me, like they're there in the music. But I think we've we've kind of brought it to like other places, too, that we, we just did. You know, it's the type of thing mm. you don't know it's going to happen. We, until we had some ideas together. and then we just went for it. You know, we was like, all right, yeah, let's play. Yeah. See what happens. Check out these ideas yeah. we have. And the second you started playing, it was like, yep, this will work. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, let's do more of that. Yeah. That's what we've been doing. You know, just like, OK, let's mm. keep going. Cool. Yeah. I mean, pretty yeah. much from the minute each of us had like two two doses of vaccine in us, we were just like, OK. <laughs> Like vaccine, I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. Let's go. Let's like get in the jam room. Come over, yeah. like start jamming, and like actually, we got pretty busy. Like two times a week, it just happened naturally. I was just like, no one had much to do. I mean, we've been living like this, and we're pretty close. So it's like, you know, can you want to jam this afternoon, this evening? I sure. mean, I think that's a good a good point to make is that like we all live super close to each other. Like five minutes from Chris, I live five minutes from Zach, and like it came together because we could drive like go to our house, go to Zach's garage and jam like so easily. There was no, right. no obstacles, you know, it was just easy and fun. Yeah. And it just made, yeah. it brought, brought things back to like, you know, being younger and jamming in the basement or whatever, just like as a kid, like having fun playing music. And then when you have fun doing it, then you know, it's good because if you're trying to do it for some other reason, you won't always be satisfied, but we could play and just jam and, have fun and be satisfied with making music and then when you get to record it and release it out to the public then it's even the next step and i think we connected in a way that helped us just make something new and start from scratch which like kind of gave us a rebirth all of us just starts like a new band 
let's shift gears and start something you know fresh after you know we've been off and no, it's more like he's jumping a new car it's like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh zach i mean you mentioned um you know doing tours through uh, throughout the country it's sweet diesel like what else what else i'm obviously leading up to green dragon being one of the because i've seen unearthly trance and i uh, i saw at desert at desert fest you had to jump in for somebody right yeah are you talking okay, to me who? I, yeah. I i was kind of talking to everybody but i was um, sort of thinking out loud i don't i forget um, yeah, who canceled. Who... i'm not sure but that was an awesome experience for us because we just got to jump on and play an awesome show like it was like like handed to us, you know. It's like, oh, thanks, we'll do that. Yeah, sure. It was an awesome experience for an earthly trance to play that, and we played the oh, London I, Desert Fest too. London oh, yeah, Desert awesome. Fest we played was was an incredible experience. One of my favorite shows we ever played. Unearthly was still together for the first few years that you were playing in Green Dragon too. So like, you know, well, you guys we had broke, reformed. Yeah, we broke up in 2012 and then got back together in 2015. Oh so, wait, yeah, we were... you I you guys opened up for Acid King, right? One time. Yeah, yeah. With Godmaker. Right. Yep. Oh, such a good show. <laughs> yeah, that, that night started cool a lot. Of, that was just like, this is awesome. Yeah, Unearthly Trance got to play Vitus so many times. We we like, we were like the house band for a while. <laughs> I got to see some really. I got to see some really good. We like we jam. And then, you know, do our thing. And then I get to go out and see like an Unearthly Trans show and hang out and just like get to be like, you know, a fan. That was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, we had some good times. <laughs> but like we started in the early 2000s when like the Brooklyn metal scene was a totally different thing and it was much smaller and stuff. And so we got to see the growth of like metal come like, you know, the 90s metal was not cool. And in 2000s, metal was like this horrible new metal thing and like real like underground metal was pretty pretty underground and even doom was not even a thing in oh, no, no doom it, was yeah it was like the working man's band yeah and so like we were a band that kind of got ignored for a while first couple of years and then once we started recording stuff we'd send it off to labels oh, maybe they'll like it and then southern lord put out our first seven inch and that was amazing to us and then we sent out some stuff to rise above Lee Dorian's label. And then we got signed to rise above, which was like crazy. And we started touring Europe and stuff. We did two records on rise above two records. Yeah. And then we got signed to relapse in 2006 and we put out a bunch of records on relapse and they were awesome. We did a bunch of tours and, you know, we did a lot of stuff. And then by 2012, we got burnt out, broke up. And then we started doing serpentine path with Tim Bagshaw from Electric Wizard. Mm -hmm. He moved to Jersey many years ago and he, he's married and he's he's still in Jersey. Is he? And yeah, yeah. I'd love he to lives, talk to him. He lives like 15 minutes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> now he's awesome, but he's he's kind of over music, honestly. Mm. And well, when you tour in like a unit like electric wizard with yeah kind of i mean like we got to experience it, it yeah. firsthand 2002 we toured with electric wizard on earthly trance and that's how we got to know those guys and that this was like right before they broke up so it was like peak insanity but we've always been friends with all those guys through the years and tim when he moved to jersey we're like oh we got to do a band together and earthly trance broke up and so it was like a way to do something low-key so we did that for a few years and it was awesome and we put out two records on relapse but the band didn't really function so well. 
So we like, eventually right. broke up and then Unearthly Trance started back up again after that because like we kind of missed it and it was like easy for us. It was a power trio. We loved playing in that way. Mm-hmm. And we did it for a few more years and then we, it kind of ran its course and Unearthly Trance has been done for a while. We never announced it, but we like figured 2000 to 2020 is long enough. And so we st- we're not active anymore. But I've done a ton of bands over the years. I, can't, I couldn't even name them all. <laughs> so, yeah, Wait, I mean, so, okay. I don't know why, but I always thought Sanford Parker was in Unearthly Trance. He's just done a lot of your album he, um, production and whatnot. He recorded three records of ours, four records. Okay. And we, the first time um, we met him, we flew out to Chicago. No, we actually we didn't fly out. We threw all our shit in our van, drove out to his studio in Chicago, like stro- drove straight there and recorded with him. Cause we met him on tour once and he was like, yo, you guys are great. I want to record you guys. We had no, no idea who he was, but we kind of like took a chance. It was like, let's go to that dude in Chicago and record with him when we got signed to rise above. And then that came out great, which is the album in the red. And then we did the next two albums with him. One at um, electrical studios, which is Steve Albini's Albini's studio in Chicago, which is an amazing experience. And then we, uh, electrocution electric, uh, the Trident. And then electrocution we did with Sanford as well. And Sanford also helped record the drums on the album V. But then we haven't been back to him in many years. But he's a he's an old friend of ours. We used to tour with his band Minsk. I don't know if you know mm. them. They're cool. I got, to, like, I got to see them for oh, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They're a cool funny, band. funny way. I, yeah. yeah, very interesting band. Uh they also were Buried playing. At sea. Do you know Barry uh, Sea? Yes, yes. Another yeah, we toured with them once too. Really? That was super band. heavy. Super fucking cool band. Yeah, I saw Minsk at Minsk, Minsk, Minsk. Yeah, Minsk. Like the city. Yeah, it's uh, uh, they were playing at Dark Lord Day, and and uh, one <laughs> of uh Chicago, they're one of the that Chicago area like legendary storms rolled in. They yeah. had shut everything down like right oh, as wow. their set was gonna start, and then they were like, "All right, we're gonna play one song just so you all <laughs> can say you that you did get to see us." And then they played their one song. They brought like. 80 people on to play drums and then they had to call it a day because it wow. was just like they that's had to crazy. keep moving along yeah I, I would have liked to have seen a really like a full set from them but that band is fucking wicked and then eventually yeah. you know you you're you wind up uh doing green dragon with with zach obviously yeah I got to see when you guys i moved to jersey for, uh, warhorse and yatra yeah I, that was cool. I lived in brooklyn for like I don't even know, 10, 15 years. I don't, I don't remember 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And then I moved, me and my wife moved out to New Jersey and we met through a mutual friend who was also in green dragon and just casually invited me to jam with them. They already existed. Green dragon. I think yeah, they green dragon had a few years. And so they had some songs and I was just like, yeah, I love being able to just, you know, go hang out in the basement and jam like five minutes from the house, like I said. And that was the same deal with Green Dragon, which is like a basement band where we just hung out, drank, smoked, and just hung, had fun. And that was the vibe. And so I was like, yeah, sure, let's, let's hang out. And we put the album together where it was like a mixture of stuff they already had. And when I joined, I, I worked on stuff and then we put out an EP after that. And I was, what would you say, like four or five years, maybe? We've, we're together. I was in the band. Yeah. 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 Like four, so four or five years. 
a long time. And, I was like, I was like, really, oh, a substantial period of time passed. Wow. But we took some long breaks, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So Green Dragon, we kind of were just getting off the ground, and then we broke up. And so me right. and Zach were like, this sucks. We need to find a drummer. We need to do something new. We got some ideas, and we were thinking about like doing something like a little heavier, a little more metal. And Zach was just like, you know what? I'm going to ask Chris if he wants to play drums. And I was like, you sure? Like, how do you know he's going to? And he just somehow Zach knew that this was all going to work out. So it was his idea all along to like make this happen. He knew about it. He would talk about doing this like way before he ever asked you. And somehow he knew that you were in the same place that we were. So it's like he kind of. I didn't even need I didn't even punk wisdom. Yeah. It was just a. It was on And I, you know, I had. I had had a shitty like six months too, you know? So I was like, it couldn't have come at a better time too. It was just like, you know, it was like, there was a lot of positivity in the air. There was like, you know, talk like vaccines are going to be rolling out. And I was like, Oh, you know, and then it was just like, I had, he said it and it was just everything he said about like the, the reference points musically. I was like, yes, 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 yes. This is like, Totally. And then most of all, like, like once we started jamming together, like when we heard this guy play drums, we were like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And, and likewise, I mean, I got to like hear like right off the bat, like I got to hear Ryan and Zach play totally different than I. I mean, well, Zach played guitar and Green Dragon for one. So it was like hearing him play bass. It was just like we were locked in like immediately. Like mm-hmm. it was just like hit the, the way we both play. I was like, oh, this is like and then just getting to hear Ryan like shred like he was, you know. It was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like this is nothing like this is going to be fun to just do, even if we just it stays like, you know, and at the time you, we wouldn't have any idea to think that it wouldn't just be like what we were doing. Like, oh, yeah, we'll just come over here and jam and write, you know, songs. Mm-hmm. And it's only like when it started, like, you know, we had a collection of them, like we should record these. And then it's like, you know, things started stepping in the direction. But it's like, I mean, we had the band name from the moment Zach sent me a message to ask if I wanted to play. He's like, well, we're going to call the band Altered States. And I was like, geez, that's like perfect. Like, cool band name, you know, like easy, just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, already. that was the first time I never had any issues with naming a band. Yeah, bands, it wasn't even... I, I, I've taken months to figure out a band name. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's States. the worst. Cool. It's the worst conversation. <laughs> like, you know, I think there's like, like a, a Polish thrash band called Altered Ah, cool, who cares? Like, we didn't even check. We're just like, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, it's like sort of like, I mean, it's just, and and it fit right. Everything changed. Yeah, it fits. like honestly, it's like, like we'll own it. Yeah, no, just... we're the one from New Jersey. <laughs> we're the one from New Jersey. <laughs> you know, everything's a little different now. So unless we... we get any uh, cease and desist, uh, you know, if we have to. The... <laughs> yeah, like are we? And or, you know, we all we were hardcore NBA. kids. We saw how we saw how Raw Deal had to turn into Killing Time. You know, it's yeah. not uncharted territory. <laughs> 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 We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And maybe burn it while you're at it, too. Yeah. We're good at that, too. Well, yeah, actually, it, that, was, that was the Green Dragon EP. That's the, the Earth and States is song one, Burning Bridges is song two. <laughs> Appropriate. It's all, been, it's, it's all been laid out. It's, it's, yeah, it's, you all know, there. it's funny, too. Like, uh, just to like add on to like the, the six degrees of separation here. I just spoke with this band yesterday from Long Island called King Bastard. Their bassist is Darren Verney's nephew. And that's how they got in touch with, uh, Um, who the, his nephew. Yeah. He played in a band, all the brothers, 
the drummer of um, Unearthly Trance, Darren Verney, all his brothers are all musicians. They're all mm -hmm. guitarists. They're all amazing. Is Nicholas so, Verney's got to be one of them, right? Nicholas, did he have, mm -hmm. has a studio in Brooklyn called the Rare Book Room? No, but they're probably related. It's crazy because it's like there's a guy. I I mean, but he wow. recorded like indie rock bands. But that's mm -hmm. crazy. That name is like, but he had a studio. I remember so. That's cool. Yeah, all his brothers are super musical, so it doesn't surprise me that his nephew is musical. But I actually jammed with them once when one of the dudes had like a like a kind of 80s metal project. I like jammed on a song with them once and he was playing bass. It was pretty funny. Like those guys, all the Vernies are super talented, like just naturally. There's something about them that like when I was a kid, the first band I was ever in was called Wicked Youth. And we played like Guns N' Roses and Metallica song covers and stuff. And we, we did some of our own originals too. But Todd, Darren's older brother, like was already really good at guitar at like like 14, 15. And so he would like run the rehearsals and be like, no, you fucked up. No, do it again. Like we were little kids. And so he taught me how to like like have a band and you, you take it seriously. But we were like little kids. So the Vernies were all like super musical family. That's that's awesome. I can't even believe that. What's the name of the it, band? Uh King Bastard. And that's Bastard. and because of that, that's how they got in touch with Colin Marston to work on their stuff. Wow, so I gotta look just, that up. I, I didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. I, like that's now we gotta ask about that. We'll just touch on just because I don't know anything about it. Uh, Zach, you toured around a lot in Sweet Diesel. It's ah, yes, other Sweet bands. Diesel. Yeah, I was in this band, Sweet Diesel, from what, like 91 to 97. I think I left in 97, maybe the beginning of 98. Um, you know, everyone was going to art school or living in New York City. Hardcore, you know, all friends from hardcore scene, graffiti, you know, some graffiti stuff. Like, you know, New York, New York hardcore kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like 91, so we wanted to, you know, we wanted to play more like what we were into, which was like, you know, like, mud honey and stuff. actually we formed outside of her mud honey outside of a mud honey show we everyone was tripping on acid and we're like we're starting a band now what a magical night and that was it like and then sweet diesel did our thing and you know we used to actually we it, it was a weird time like we used to play like shows with this band die 116 which was gavin and um gavin from burning keith who would later go on who was in rorschach and would later go on to be dead in dead guy like it was their band and um mm. you know but everyone was trying to sort of stay just off of the hardcore path and uh so we we're playing like you know basically each other for a long time um until things started like sort of you know things started to gel and then we started touring and uh we got signed to um blackout records or a sort of like the more indie version of Blackout, which called Engine. So us and Dead Guy were um, label mates. And we used to tour with Sheer Terror a bunch because they were also, you know, they were on Blackout. So they were like our, you know, and actually Killing Time. So we were like mm -hmm. on this label, you know. And Dead Guy were also on Engine, um, just kicking ass for the quick minute that they existed before they like bailed over to victory and then broke up five seconds later. So there's a sort of minute on blackout where it's like, you know, a group of bands that like came out of hardcore evolving. And then um, we started touring with, um, I, I was, I still am friends with the Unsane guys because everyone's in New York. So like Chris yeah. from the Unsane was like, love you guys come out on tour with us. Unsane took us on our, on our first U.S. tour. We 
the first full U.S. tour. We had been out to the Midwest a bunch in the South. Like we figured out how to go around the Midwest and the South and play with like you know go to Columbus, go to Dayton, um, play with you know play with Gaunt, play with New Bomb Turks. All that stuff was going on at the time. And then Unsane took us on our first national tour. So we done we toured we did a bunch of Unsane tours. They were amazing, you know, but they're crazy. And I I I burnt my I burnt myself out after a while, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I was having some health issues, and um, I quit. And uh, the band stayed together for a little while longer. Didn't put any records. Like everything that got recorded, we did together. And then they did a I think a tour or two after. I left and I was, you know, started doing yoga. I met my wife. I liked going to brunch. I liked watching movies with my wife. You know, I, I didn't I didn't want to know about like, you know, sitting in clubs or sitting in, you know, sitting in vans. You know, I'd been like this like protracted marriage with seven, you know, for seven years with these other guys that I still love from Sweet Diesel. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they are friends for life. But you know, you're like, I had no interest in being in a band, no interest in even I don't I didn't even pick up a guitar for 13 years I didn't pick up a guitar for 13 years wow not until we moved not until we moved out here there just wasn't any space for it right like I was in the city or an apartment we had young kids we moved out here to Maplewood all of a sudden it was like I had a house you know and some of the stuff that had been in storage came out of storage and like suddenly the guitars were around you know basses were around and your wife was like uh-oh <laughs> she a little bit like uh yeah, it's just like I, I didn't think this was coming back. Like <laughs> I thought that was a kind of a then thing. Um, I met like this uh, this guy Nathan in the inside Jiffy Lube, and I guy was wearing a sleep shirt, which like at the time was like you know this is like already like ten years ago, before like sleep's big resurgence. So like you know it was like an odd thing to be wearing. Not he's like what's up with that? And like and then it turns out like, you start talking. We had all these mutual friends. Um, Sky Nathan, who was in this band Devoid of Faith. Uh, we actually started Green Dragon together. He invited his friend Jen to mm. play bass, and then you know we would just do our thing. And just because of everyone's shared musical history, it was hard to keep it like from not turning into like DIY. Like next thing you know, you're making a demo. Next thing you know, you're you know. There's there's somebody writing about it in the blog. Next thing you know, you know you're recording a seven inch, and Jen was getting her husband to like you know resurrect his defunct record label to put it out, <laughs> you know, and, and, and like all that sort of spin. So it sort of spins back up. Yeah, and back to the question, like you know, with young kids, I don't, I, you know, it was, there was uh, there were stops and fits and starts with Green Dragon because one, like everyone's lives were complicated, and. It was, there was no intentionality towards like being productive where I think, you know, other states, like we were like, oh yeah, we're going to be, pro-. but I think we, we were pretty clear, like coming right out the gate, like, you know, Green Dragon was playing some decent shows. We were pretty, Ryan and I were pretty committed to making like records, recording, making things together. Ryan's always making something, you know. I mean, look disciples. how many guitars he has. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's a, it's a, I love that view. I don't think I don't think I think you know there was we had I had a steam a little bit basically because we were had been pretty productive and basically in a way altered states was a simplification that allowed us to be even more productive and then you know just having Chris come in with like playing drums like that just everyone had to like step up like I was like I'm not gonna play guitar anymore I'm gonna pick up bass because I'm really good at that thing but and uh, you played bass in Sweet Diesel so it's kind of like you revisited your old like original 
something that you did for many years, you know, playing yeah, bass, yeah. and then you returned to it, and it kind of like all made sense somehow. Yeah, yeah, and also I wanted to bring, like, you know, with I think Green Dragon, there's a a bunch of people weren't on their native instruments, right? Like, true, that's a good way of putting it. Every it was sort of like, a, oh, I'm gonna try this out. It was pretty cool. Like, I, I mean, I think like it was cool. Like, I loved singing and playing guitar in Green Dragon, but like, you know, I. I know I can't play guitar like I can play bass, you know, and I just knew that, you know, when when Chris stepped in, the playmanship stepped up, and then Ryan, you know, I saw Ryan's eyes light up to like a place where like, you know, you were gonna have to play, you know, at shred basically. It was like I can, I can, I want to geezer the shit out of this myself, like no fuck. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about the power trio. It's my favorite way. Being a trio, it just makes everything so simple but it's challenging because you have to fill up a lot of sound with guitar mm -hmm. and you know you make a mess you mistake you can hear it but just the trio is the simplest form and i think it's the best and i think the way we lock in and the way we can kind of like interact without speaking like understanding like like even if a jam we can kind of like in, in instinctively pick up on what each other's doing like there's a lot of connection that we have that makes this band kind of unique and i think we've only only begun to scratch the surface of what we, what we can really do. And that's going to be exciting part of it all that we're just getting started. Yeah. We're just getting a part where like, you know, we haven't even like dropped songs out of the set yet. You know, like that is like, <laughs> we have just enough songs. <laughs> we have just enough songs. Like, this is just, oh, when, when you probably like start to shed the songs that you don't, you know, just aren't up yeah. to like, you know, I think they're pretty good, but like, you know, you know, we're not even at that point. We're just getting, we're just. Yeah, Billy, let's not play that one. You know, <laughs> put that one on, on hold for a little bit. As opposed to like at the end of Unearthly Trance, we would be like, no, I'm not playing that. No, I don't want to play that one. We would just argue about, we try to make a set out of what we would play. And they're like, I don't want to play that. I don't want to play that. But now it's like, it's a like kind of an open palette. Like we're just kind of really focusing in on being a band in a room together as opposed to, you know, the pandemic. So many people were doing like, file sharing projects and all that, like just to be in a room to feel the drums and feel the amps is the most important thing about this band, I think. Yeah. To do it live like a real band and yeah, like really start to write like a band. It just feels natural, you know? Yeah, I do feel grateful for that when I see, you know, how many projects like people I know like had to be put together that way, you know? It's just yeah. even people don't even live near each other. And I'm like, man, yeah, exactly. like, not I mean, only that, like, we it's like we literally it's like five minutes drive yeah. to pr practice you know we, yeah. and we can do it we can get in a room together and that's the thing it's like we're able to if anything is kind of like takes a little you know sanding down it we can kind of do that pretty pretty efficiently like usually we leave rehearsal you know either with a, something new or something like that we've been working on like yeah you know like where it needs to be you know like everything there's always something productive that comes out of yeah. uh, out of a rehearsal and it's also we're working at it and then you get to, you know we get to play it back and like yeah. just it's I good it's, like every it's time a we play example of when chemistry in a band really works like it can really just make things like so easy and things happen we're like oh shit that was awesome like we keep surprising ourselves with what like what we're capable of and like i said before we just started and we, we would talk about things that we're going to do next and I'm sure we're going to do them. So I think that's kind of the exciting part is that we're able to kind of create goals and achieve them already in a short period of time. And to me, that's what a, like 
being in a band, you have to kind of have sights on what you want to do next and like always think forward. And that's how you, you progress as a musician, as an artist to always like, what's next, what, what's next. And I think this band is the kind of band that is it going to pigeonhole. We're not, we're not going to be like, Oh, we'll just be a doom band. We'll just be this band. Like we're clearly going to take all of our influences and see what comes out when we like jam out an idea. And I think it's three of us equally coloring the band. Like it's not just one main guy putting mm -hmm. all of his influence. It's all three of us putting it in a blender, mixing it up. And it's like all of us the same. And that's kind of the beauty of it all is that we're a proper band and the proper trio, like the bands we grew up listening to. Yeah. I mean, and one thing that's cool too, I, I'd like to add is like, you know, we did, we did the recording ourselves and, you know, literally just the three of us. So we got to kind of do it and we're putting things right. together and, well, you know, it was like the vocals were there and like, and I was like, I brought up that I'd like to put some percussion on some stuff. And like, you know, Ryan was kind of like, you know, kind of looked at me a little like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to put some shaker. And like, I was hearing all this, like the the music just had this like groove to it all over the place. And like, I'm just always, I always love overdubbing like shakers and tambourines and stuff. Cause it does, it gives, it gives music a heaviness, you know, it, really, it also opens things up. So I was like hearing all those things, but what was cool was like, Ryan and Zach, like, we're just like, yeah, do do it. You know, like they encouraged it, you know, like first and foremost. And then when they heard it back, you know, when Ryan was mixing it, he's like, so I would never even think of something like that, yeah. you know, but it was like, you know, to me, it was something like I heard right off the bat, you know, like when I would listen back to rehearsal tapes, I was like, I could hear stuff like that. Like, you know, and it's in a lot of, you know, I mean, you hear it in Sabbath music all the time too, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's cool. Just like touches. adding elements, adding little touches like that, you know, like that work, like, you know, we can do that with anything really, you know, it's like synths and different sounds and, you know, adding different textures and stuff. You, I think is something that the three of us are all into, you know, the music we like has a lot of that and definitely something we want to incorporate into, into yeah, what we're sure. doing, you know, recording wise. I uh, just thought I, I'd ask, you know, since you're all seasoned touring musicians, you know, what is a horrible touring story you'd like to share? Or if you would rather share a great one, that's also <laughs> totally, totally cool. Oh, man. I know there's a horrible tour story that I just can't think of. I have a crazy one. But, well, I mean, I've told certain stories many times, so I'll tell this one. I don't think I've told this one before. I was on tour with Unearthly Trance and... um Ramesses, we we broke down in germ like a german squat our van broke down we were done we couldn't we probably weren't going to make the next show the next day all these like skinheads showed up it was a really weird, weird scene and so we decided to rent two cars and drive to the next show and leave the all our gear behind and just bring our guitars and all everyone get in two cars two bands like just cram into two cars and we drove like I don't know, it must have been like six, seven hours, like on top speed to go to Leipzig in Germany. We somehow make it and show up to a packed venue in Leipzig, Germany. And we just like literally stepped on stage and plugged into like the opening bands amped and like played right out of if we got out of the car. And it was like one of the most insane experiences of my life of just like thinking everything's fucked and then you show up and somehow it all just goes right. And somehow that memory popped into my mind and it was like, Leipzig, Germany, you know, live in Leipzig. So <laughs> it was just one of those things that like touring can go from extreme lows where you think, ah, oh, this is all fucked. We're done. The tour is not happening. And then you do something crazy to like make it happen, like that you would never do in normal life. 
mm-hmm. like break the speed limit for seven hours straight to get to a show and then wind up in another country. <laughs> yeah. Like no idea, like whether it's going to happen or not or whether, and then somehow it worked out. So that's, that's a fun story that I just remembered out of nowhere. Your turn. A good one. It is a good one. I totally forgot about it until right now. I got a good one. Uh, the, the first tour, it's uh, the first tour I ever did was when I played in Resurrection and Resurrection and Lifetime toured together. And I think it was the summer of 92. I, we were just all just had no, I mean, we definitely used like the how to or book your own fucking life or whatever <laughs> that book was that had all the connections. That's old school. But the thing was, is like the two singers of bands booked the tour and they only booked shows out to California. Like they were so stoked to get out to California. They booked like a string of like <laughs> shows to get us out to, come back. to California. And they booked like two shows on the way back. <laughs> and like, yeah. but on top okay. of that, on top of that, like there was just like a string of like epic failures. And like on top of that, we rented like just a, a white cargo van, not an extended van, just a white windowless, you know, like surveillance van basically from like Sears, you know, uh, rental. And built like a loft that to get in the loft, you had to like lean forward and like put your legs up into it. And someone had to kind of like lift you up and slide you back into it. That was the only, you could, there was just enough room to like roll around, like on your back to your, but you couldn't climb up there and like on your hands and knees, you literally had to slide up into there (laughs) and you didn't want to go. You you didn't want to go, you know, head first. So you, you would have someone slide you in. That's how, Three people would go up there. There was 10 people in this van and we drove across the U.S. Oof. in the dead of summer. And on top of it, I got chicken pox. Yeah. <laughs> so like every like Did everyone we, else. No. Well, here's the thing. So like no one wanted to be up in the loft. So we had but we took a, a rotation. Yeah. And I'd when it was your turn, you had to get up in the loft. And it was my turn to get up in the loft. And I just did not like I felt awful. And I was like, listen, you just... I know it's my turn but I shouldn't go up in the loft because I don't feel well. I think I'm going to get sick. And they're like, fuck you. You just don't want to go up in the loft. Get the fuck up there. You're full of shit. You know, like just, you know, so I'm like, all right. So I go up there and I'm like, stop the van. I get out of the van. I'm like, I get sick. You know, and everyone thinks I'm like faking it because I, I want to sit. I'm like, I'm, I need to sit by a window. I don't feel good. And everyone thought I just wanted to sit in the front. By the time we got to California, like someone's like, dude, you don't look good. Your face is all like blotchy. And I was like, what? And like literally in California, I broke out in chicken pox. And like, which is basically at this, that age, shingles. You know, yeah. It's like, tour, tour was over. Everyone man. else drove home. And I hung out at my friend uh, Chad's who out there. And till I got better, because his mom was like, yeah, no, we've all had chicken pox. You can stay here. Like, don't worry about it. And like, my parents, I was like 19. So my parents were like, I'm like, yeah, they said I could stay here till I get better. And they're like, cool. And it was, t- they were, it was awesome. Like everyone else had to drive home and like, it was like August. It took them like five or six days to, to get back home. They didn't play any shows. So they just had to drive. Oh man. And like, so I was, cool. I was chilling out in my friend's like hot tub, you know, just getting oh. over chicken pox <laughs> and flew home. Like, you know, when it was all good, like, I think I still beat them home, which was hilarious. Like I, you know, <laughs> that's the ultimate. <laughs> till I was tasty. Till it was okay to fly. Like I think I couldn't fly for like four days, and I was like, "Ooh." Pays to get out. sick on tour. Sometimes you get the hotel room, you get oh, the totally. you get the bed to yourself. Oh. 
Yeah. Or the van to yourself, whatever just, it is. Like you're sick. You're like, oh, you. you, you I remember you, one time I got sick in Sweden and the Gothenburg, uh, Stockholm. We played a show. It was a sold out show. It was the sickest show under the tour. And I was deathly ill and I slept in the van the whole time. And I told him to just wake me up when we had to play. And I just like somehow mustered up a set and like played a show and then went right back in the van and went back to sleep. Just deathly ill. It was awful. I, oh, I, I did play a show when we did get to California. I played one show before we called the door with chicken box. Nice. Yeah, it was like super spreader event, like early days. I was a super spreader before it was cool. I played like I played with like a baseball hardcore man. Like and I pulled my like I pulled it like and I just played and it was like two hundred degrees. It was disgusting. But they were like, you have to like I mean that was the whole thing to just drive out to California. So they're like, you have to play at least one show. I was like, all right, I'll do it. You could get on Joe Rogan for that story, man. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can say you're All right, on Iron Doom, and then you can go on to Joe Rogan. <laughs> Sweet Diesel did did a tour with Unsane um, to the West Coast. We had to then catch a flight from New York to London like two days later. So we we had a we made it from San Francisco to New York in 54 hours had like one day in the city to do laundry and then caught a flight to go to London the next day. That was, that shit was crazy. I mean, it was, there was nothing bad about it. I mean, it was just nuts. I mean, that's nuts in itself. Yeah. That's crazy. Like one long day. Right. (laughs) I just remember like being like, yeah, you, cause you're so warped after like a while. It's like, Oh, it was like, you know, out of your skull driving like that. And only, (laughs) Only two of the members of Sweet Diesel had driver's licenses. The other two were like totally useless New Yorkers who didn't even have licenses. So like, <laughs> you know, they grew up in Manhattan. They had no yeah, reason city to. City boys. Totally. Yeah. So it was just me and the, one of the dudes driving. I just remember like someone being like, hey, Zach, it's the Rockies. And I just like, woke up. I was like, Shh. like, you know, I was like, I remember seeing mountains and laying down, like someone woke me up like, Chicago, like it's like you know, like the next time, like on <laughs> my next shift, it was like yeah, you know, we were like long, long, like you know, and then we went to the UK every time you tour. every every time someone tells a story, I remember another story. It's awesome. Yeah, we could just keep going round. There you round go, you drop one in. <laughs> I remember one time we were at the um the Hoover Dam. We got stopped at the Hoover Dam by a cop. They they pulled our van over. They were like, "Yo, what are you guys doing here?" You're like in this serious dude, like he's like, what are you guys doing? What are you like, just interrogating us? Like, why are you guys driving over the Hoover Dam with this sketchy van? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, are you guys pedophiles? Like, and there's like, no window, there's no windows on this van. He's like, what are you up to? Like, like drill sergeant kind of guy. And they're like, oh, we're just a heavy metal band. He's like, heavy metal? What kind of heavy metal? And like we we tell him, he's like, oh fellas, you have a nice day. And he just like let us go because we were a heavy metal band. And like heavy metal band, that's we were like awesome, dude. It was like, yeah. Like Beavis and Butthead or something. He's like for a minute, he's like some he's on just like some first blood shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, we're just a heavy metal band. <laughs> it's weird that he like took that as the oh they're okay. Yeah, like, we thought they were gonna search our van and find our weed, and we were like, uh. Maybe he was a skidhead and he just assumed you had like really terrible views on life, like he did. And he was like, all those metalheads <laughs> no, are terrible was, people, he right? Was, he was like, he had a sick mustache and everything. He was serious. 
He's yeah, full on barnied out. <laughs> I can, all the thing I'd say is I've been very lucky in all of my travels for the dumb things we've done and things we've chanced. We've always, I, mean, I feel very lucky for all of my travels. Same, dude. I'm with you. And I feel like since the pandemic, I feel like a very lucky individual to have been traveled the earth and done all the, been all yeah. these awesome cities just to play in an underground doom band. So it's kind of like, it's been the perk of it all, you know, even though unearthly trance kind of nobody remembers us or cared too much. We were able to do some awesome things. And that's kind of like my musical journey has always been just about like the experience, not like whether successful making money or not, like the experience of like being able to do cool things just because of your band is what makes somebody it all cared. worth it. Yeah. Or someone's like willing to bring you to some like, I've played so many countries that I never thought I'd ever visit or ever think to go to just because of my band. So I hope to do that with this band too. So it's kind of yeah, like, here, here. yeah, here, here, here. We want to, you know, it's possible. You know, I know it's possible to go to Norway. I know it's possible to go to Japan. I know it's possible to go to England, you know, like yeah. these, these kind of places I've been to, I'm like, I want to go back there. Me too. The last, the last band, it just like, it didn't like, that just didn't ever seem like it would ever even be feasible. Where like, right. I see, like where this band yeah. is like, anything's yeah. kind of possible. Like, yeah. Like I could we played, packing. we played a show, our first show. I mean, Chris could probably tell the story better, but we played a show that was like to like an older crowd sitting down eating dinner was our first in like show. A, in like a blues club out in New yeah. Jersey. Like mm -hmm. this kind of old school blues club with my, like an old friend of mine. He was actually my first drum teacher when I was like, 10 years old friend of the family and he's just always played in bands and he like you know i played him the altered states demo and he was like oh you, my band's playing this gig at the at the stanhope house which is if you google it, it's like a legendary blues kind of dive yeah, yeah. speak house yeah and uh, out in jersey and um i like i had been there my whole life and i never ever played there and i was like oh you know so i was like he was just kind of like you know why we're playing like two sets like why don't you guys get up and play in between you can do a short set we're like cool that's what we did we ended up like you know i'm like it will be totally anonymous we're going to be a little louder than they are for sure like they're just kind of like heavy rock like we were like much louder um but yeah it was like totally just kind of in yeah. an anonymous way to kind of you know break the seal and, and play live out and, and then like, our like second it sounded show. amazing you know it was like the sound itself, you know, was great. Yeah. It was just like, and, then, and like the, my point is, like our second show was at St. Vitus opening up for Cave-In. so it was like yeah. things are progressing quickly for us, and yeah. like we were able to kind of adjust, and like we were able to go from playing like a show where people didn't even care about what we were doing to a show where it's like sold out and an awesome band we're opening up for. So I feel like the potential for this band to do whatever we want is is like open and it's a good feeling to have a band that's even though we're older people we're still like totally ready to do shit and not... old side of young man old side yeah, of young. Yeah. i think <laughs> yeah there's kind of like this this place where some older musicians rest on everything they did when they were younger and some older musicians are like i'm doing new stuff and this is what i'm doing i've always been that way i've always i've always been about what i'm doing in the moment not what i used to do and this band is a perfect example of people who have done lots of stuff, but like focusing on something new. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. Cause like, honestly, in a way, like each, this thing, this thing, it's, it's easy for us to get together and playing feels freaking great. And the music's interesting and it's, 
it's fresh and it's you know writing songs together is really exciting and you know working out ideas that seem you know just like honest honest and representative of where we are in life as opposed to you know they'll turn be like oh let's get any one of us getting like you know aside from playing like you know a one-off reunion show here that for experience of doing it rather you know regrouping this thing because it has you know it's you can get easy wins easy. you can yeah. easy, easy wins you know with with the name and you know not that there's anything wrong with that like it just My i'm glad it's, that we're coming from a more honest place where it's like this is where we're at now this is who we are now and right like I've, I've been in bands for many years where I've screamed and done brutal vocals and I'm just kind of like, I've had enough of that. And so it's a joy for me to be able to like do some vocals where I'm not screaming and just kind of using my singing voice and coming from a place that's more honest. And it's kind of like when you have three people operating on the same wavelength, things are real and honest and it feels good. and. I hope it reflects in the music that we're just like a real band and there's more to come, you know, yeah, we're just, yeah. we're just getting started. So yeah. Plus you've all been a, like been around the block a little, you know, for a while. So yeah, it's we know, like, we, you know, we know what not to do. <laughs> yeah. You exactly. You know what not to do, you know, like you, you kind of know the rules and whatnot. You walk in, people are like, you know, and they're like, yeah, yeah we got it. It's all good. You know, you're not trying, like, you're not trying to like, uh, you're not like so, so green that you're trying to impress somebody like yeah, with, with nothing, you know some insane rig or whatever. I think we're just like a a band that knows how to use our resources. Like we're a DIY band in a sense. So I think that connects back to like the kind of the punk hardcore mentality where mm -hmm. we recorded ourselves and use our own resources. And yeah, we, we we have the capability to do whatever we need to do. And I think that makes us a band that can do things naturally. We don't, we don't need other people to make things happen for us because we know how to make it happen for ourselves. Absolutely. I think, you know, adding to that though, you know, we'd love, it's going to, it's fun, you know, even like, you know, we got to do the demo by ourselves and like put that out ourselves. And like, you know, we got our friend Jamie York to help us and do a video for Sorum and Sorrow that we had, you know, made. And that was the first person we brought in from the outside to like get involved in this. And it was like, you know, it's cool, like, oh, thinking about, you know, just other artistic places we could take the band, but it'll be fun, you know, but we're also, we're realistic, you know, we'd love to work with a label and, you know, have someone put out yeah. the record and stuff, but we're also like, we're also ideally, idealistically, you know, together on, on point where like, but yeah, if that doesn't happen, we could also, we can figure that out. We can do that. Yeah, there's no, there's no like, there's, there's so many outlets. <laughs> yeah, there's it's not there's contingent really, on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like we we also we're cool, you know, just playing shows in the area and, and writing and recording in our space and like being creative. But, you know, it'd also be fun to like travel and go play a festival somewhere, you know, at some hopefully, point. you know, like doing yeah. doing that sort of stuff, too. Like, you know, I hope that, you know, that comes at some point. But like at the same time, like what we're doing is, is mo we're moving. You know, there's there's a momentum you know, it's, you know, just thinking back, like getting to the end of the year and going like, man, we only stepped in a room together in June. Right. You know, for the first time yeah, in the summer of yeah. last year. And we, we did a lot in six months, you know, for, for something that's new and we're, you know, it's, it's still, it's still going. So it's like, uh, you know, writing. There's a lot of just creative like, energy going on. So yeah, I think that's where so, we're at. We're just like, 
but yeah, if we're like ruin we can't things play. up in the lab, you know. Yeah, and if we like, we're all like, if shit gets weird for a little while, and we gotta just hunker down and not play shows, and great, you know, then we could put our energy towards writing and and recording, recording you know, the yeah. next batch of next songs, which more than likely I think will be an LP. I mean, at this point, it's already yeah. By the time know, yeah, it's moving sure. towards that, so I think. But so. yeah, it's like we've yeah. we've got you know, there's so many so many things that could could happen and you know mm-hmm. to keep the band uh you know keep us all pretty artistically and creatively satisfied and intrigued to you know you know even just to play you know just to get in a room to, with the three of us you know it's it's a fun yeah when you're and older, satisfying thing you appreciate more the older you get like to be able to just like take some time to just you know play guitar and play drums and bass we can just jam mm-hmm. like it's like a thing yeah. I did when I was younger, and I still enjoy just as much. Yeah, you know. So yeah, the plane's kind of... ne- the plane's pretty tasty with us, though. That's part of the thing. It's like, oh, you know, you get a taste of that. You're like, that's pretty good. That's yeah. about as good as it's ever been. I actually, that's as yeah. good I as mean... it's ever been. We can fly. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it feels it like flying good. to me. I love it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm I'm partially in this from you know. Well, I am. I mean, it's like connection. You know with you guys and then like the experience of playing it first and foremost and then you know everything sort of extends out of that into like you know making things being creative having that uh, you know shape into something tangible like a release you know or like you know having experiences of a show and getting to like you know catch it like i feel like we're like catching waves now like in between a covid wave we catch a show you know yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's like elevation yeah, right? And like, you know, the, the same by show was a really good little wave, you know, it's like, oh, that was a good one, you know, yeah, timing's everything. Hopefully so, we can get some more shows in this year. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I, it's been I a mean, long one, hasn't it? It's been, it's been a long one. Didn't know. Um, I was going to yeah, ask. We can, ask... we can weave a yarn. Is that what it's saying? <laughs> might, might be a two-parter. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I couldn't get um, them off, man. I could not get these guys to shut up. <laughs> this podcast is longer than their fucking demo by, by, by a lot yeah like more music less talking like, like you know obviously you're going to be working on stuff um if you if you're not going to be out playing shows um you know with just the demo i'm i foresee some kind of release in the future where can people find you out there on the on the wild web or we are altered states at bandcamp.com, right? Yeah. Yeah, or we are. Bandcamp.com slash uh, we, we are, are altered states. There yeah, we go. We are all Is that the yeah. same thing? Same handle for Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, Facebook and Instagram, the same. We are altered states. You can find it all there. And yeah, you got, you know, we got the, the four song EP, got a cassette version of it out. Uh, got, you know, a shirt. Yeah, yeah we got some stuff. If, and if it's some stuff. Polish power metal, it's not up. <laughs> <laughs> the other or something, one. or something from Australia, which I yeah, 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 right? Google searching. Yeah, don't confuse us. With but you do have, you, There is a Polish. Oh, that's Polish, something old. Polish old, power yeah. metal drummer in in this band, though. Yeah, Polish right? Irish. <laughs> Polish slash Irish. Polish Irish power metal drummer. Yeah. All right. Well, that that band can never say that they were on the Diary of Doom podcast. That's true. Right. We're not against power metal. It's just not the home here. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, I mean, this was fucking fascinating to me just to hear all the fucking war stories from. Yeah, we're like old you know. vet- vets. Yeah. <laughs> <more stories. laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Veterans of the Psychic War. Warfare, or whatever that was thing from Heavy Metal. Yeah, it was great to see you guys open up for Cave In. That show is fucking rad and hope to cool, see man. you somewhere else down us. the Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, and hope you. to see you somewhere else down the line. And, uh, you know, thanks for keeping it real in New Jersey. Awesome, <laughs> yeah, North Jersey. North Jersey is where it's at. It is. Uh, I'll be back at some point. Awesome. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you. That'll do it for me.